Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, welcome back from the 4th of July weekend. What, what a wild weekend. I hope you had a good time and a, and a pleasant weekend. I spent it uh, writing. I just uh, signed a contract to write a new book, The Hidden History of American Democracy. And I'm having a lot of fun with it, uh, digging into, actually, it was Jean-Jacques Rousseau over the weekend. But anyhow, we got a lot to talk about today. Civil society is fully in a state of gun crisis. This uh, shooting over the weekend, by the way, was just the tip of the iceberg. I'll get into that in a moment. And uh, why is the media downplaying that the gun terrorist was a Trumpster? So weird. Remember when Bernie was, uh, when a Bernie supporter shot Steve Scalise? And literally every day, almost every hour, it was like Bernie supporter shot, you know, Congress, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'll get into that. Also, a child rapist. This guy raped a 12-year-old, impregnated her. She gave birth, and he was just awarded custody of, joint custody of her child. We'll get into that. My op-ed this morning over at HartmanReport.com is, uh, is titled, Civil Society is Fully in a State of Gun Crisis. And I just, you know, lay this out. Yesterday was the 309th terrorist mass shooting in America so far this year. No other country in the world experiences this. And by the way, this is just the tip of the iceberg. In the last 72 hours, there's an amazing website, Gun Violence Archive dot org slash last dash 72 number 72 dash hours gun violence archive dot org slash last 72 hours um, in the last 72 hours there have been 413 shootings in the united states the numbers of the number of victims range from one to five we only count the ones that are over four victims or four deaths actually as mass shootings but that's in the last three days 413 additional shootings Back in the 1950s, a typical gunshot victim had one or two wounds. Today, the number of wounds routinely is five or more. What do all these um, 413 shootings in the last 72 hours have in common? A gun. Every day on average, one of the approximately 175 daily shootings in the United States is a, quote, defensive gun use. One out of 175. Great numbers, huh? And, you know, a routine traffic stop yesterday turned into a, a, a hail of bullets for Jaylan Walker, 25-year-old unarmed black man who was shot by eight police officers in Akron, Ohio. 60 gunshot wounds in his body. Of course, he was black. The, 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 the guy who shot up uh, Highland Park, uh, uh, suburban Chicago, Illinois, was, of course, white. And so, of course, he was, uh, you know, arrested peaceably and probably taken to Burger King for lunch on the way to the jail. Bottom line is, civil society has certain requirements. If you're going to have a functioning civil society, there are a couple of things you have to have. And the one of the, at the very top of that list, at the very top of that list, is a sense of public safety. I have worked in countries, I worked in Uganda during the Ugandan Civil War when Idi Amin got run out of the country. I've worked in Haiti. I've worked in, I, I, geez, I, I could go through a list, but I, 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 we were in Thailand during the, during the uh, military coup there. 
I was in Peru when the Shining Path was blowing stuff up. I was in Colombia. We had three bombs go off within six blocks of us when I was in Bogota back 30 years ago. I have been in societies where people don't feel safe. And I can tell you, when people don't feel safe, everything changes. First of all, people tend to embrace right-wing governments because the right-wingers are out there saying, oh yeah, you don't feel safe? Well, just vote for us because we're the law and order people. And we will take care of those evil criminals. Right? This is how Nixon got elected in 68. I mean, his whole shtick was law and order, remember it? So number one, if you want to have a safe society, you've got to have, or if you want to have a functioning civil society, you've got to have a safe society. So if somebody wanted to really screw up America, somebody like, say Vladimir Putin, wanted to really disrupt our country, how do you do it? Well, how about taking us from where Europe is right now? Most European countries, you have 15 to 20 weapons per 100 people, somewhere as low as 10 uh, weapons per 100 people. And by the way, in the United States, 40 years ago, at the beginning of the Reagan Revolution, we were at around 30 uh, weapons per 100 people in the United States. But over the last 40 years, since the Reagan Revolution, or since the NRA got taken over in 1978 by, by the, basically the, the weapons manufacturers and some right-wing crazies, we are now over 120 guns per 100 people. There are over 400 million guns in America. All of this just in the last 40 years. This is another echo of the Reagan revolution. And people say, well, you know, so what? Well, you know, there are more car accidents in New York City than there are in Boise, Idaho. Why? Because there's more cars. There's more car accidents in Portland, Oregon than there is in Roseburg, Oregon. Why? Because there's more cars. More cars, more accidents, more guns, more shootings. This is common sense. What kind of idiot can't acknowledge this? So if you wanted to destroy the United States, all you have to do is get the number of guns per people up to a certain threshold where, you know, you start having a couple hundred, 415 shootings in a three-day period. And guess what? We're there right now. We have 400 million guns in the United States. Which reminds me of a headline I saw on September 17th, 2019 from NPR, quote, the National Rifle Association acted as a foreign asset for Russia in the period leading up to the 2016 election, according to a new investigation. Or one from a year earlier, this was in Politico, April 11, 2018, quote, the National Rifle Association reported this week that it received more money from people with Russian ties than it had previously acknowledged, but announced that it was officially done cooperating with the congressional inquiry exploring whether illicit Kremlin-linked funding passed through the NRA into Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Right. And the congressional committee never even bothered to try to enforce the subpoena of the NRA. But let's just assume that the NRA wasn't really trying to disrupt and destroy American democracy and that Putin was only giving support to the NRA and inviting people like Senators Ron Johnson and John Kennedy over to, over to Moscow for the 4th of July because he's a nice guy. Let's assume that there was actually no plan here. I mean, I realize this sounds like a conspiracy theory, right? Let's assume that there was no real plan here to just destroy America. Let's just assume it was just a coincidence that we ended up with 400 million guns in a country of 330 million people. So how do we get here? Well, it started out with the NRA telling lies in the, eight, in the late 70s and early 80s about what the Second Amendment meant. Everybody in the 70s and 80s understood the Second Amendment was about a militia. And it was. It was entirely about a militia. There was a huge debate at the founding of our republic about whether we should have a standing army during times of peace or whether we should do like Switzerland does and the state militias uh, you know, are active throughout the year and if the country is invaded, they, they become federalized. We wrote that into the Constitution. It's in two places. The power to call forth the militia, this is, they're both in Article 1, Section 8, the power to call forth the militia, and the fact that Congress can only appropriate money for the Army for two years. That debate ended with the War of 1812. We've had a permanent standing army well-funded ever since then because we had to rely on state militias. Jefferson took the, the federal army from 300,000 down to t fewer than 10,000 
during his eight years in the White House. And then as James Madison became president, Great you know, Britain and Canada just marched into our country, made it all the way down to Washington, D.C., and burned the White House. So, you know, we're not having that debate anymore, but that was the background, that and the slave patrols in the South. And I, and I lay out the entire history of this over at HartmanReport.com this morning in this op-ed. That was the background of the Second Amendment. Now, Scalia lied through his teeth in the Heller decision, and the NRA continues to lie, saying, oh, no, 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 the founders put it in there for self-defense, or the founders put it in there so that if our politicians ever start behaving badly, we can shoot them. That was as stupid, that is as stupid an idea now as it would have been had it been proposed back in 1787, but it never was. Nobody ever even suggested such a thing. And yet when I brought this up over the weekend on Twitter, I must have had 30 people say, oh no, the Second Amendment is there to protect and prevent tyranny. No, it's not. It's to prevent an army from staging a coup. This is totally bizarre. This is the Tom Hartman Program. This is America. We need to get this under control, this gun violence problem. And the bottom line is, there's too many guns. Kurt in Akron, Ohio. Hey, Kurt, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Um, well, first of all, congratulations on signing the contract for your ninth book. Hopefully it comes out in winter, correct? It'll come out next spring. Yeah, there's okay, one coming out this fall, The Hidden History of Neoliberalism, How Reaganism Gutted America. That'll be out And I pre-ordered that on Amazon. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, the reason I'm calling is that shooting for uh, Jalen Walker mm-hmm. that happened, that actually happened down the street from where I live. Whoa. Yeah, because I live off of Wilbeth Road in Firestone Park, in the Firestone Park neighborhood of Akron. And... Um, that chase started on the high speed chase started on north in the North Hill neighborhood of Akron, going down Route Eight and heading south into the Firestone Park area. But the local media right now, which is the Akron Beacon Journal, the Canton Repository, those types of places, those types of newspapers, are reporting that this may and I can't confirm this, but this may have possibly been a suicide by cop. I doubt that because typically with suicide by cop, you run toward the police, not away from them. Right. And I guess what they're saying is, and, I, and I'm and i just giving you what the local news is telling everybody here. Yeah, they're trying to justify um, the police. I think that's what it is. They're trying to justify yeah. the police. But what they're trying to say is he lost his fiance in a car accident in Cincinnati a month ago. Um, he had left his ring and his gun inside the car that sort of thing, which I'm still trying to figure out because originally they said he took a shot at the police first, and that's what caused eight police officers to hit him with 60 rounds with 90 rounds that were shot. And as a result of this, the Rib White and Blue Fest was canceled for the 4th of July holiday in downtown Akron because people were worried about violence, and then Sunday night there were riots and fires in downtown Akron because of what happened. Storefronts were smashed. I mean, it looked like Kent, Ohio in 1970. Wow. And um, I guess the Rubber Ducks, our minor league baseball team for the Cleveland Guardians, was canceled. And the fireworks got canceled. And Mayor Dan Horgan placed the city of Akron on a 9 p.m. curfew last yeah. night. Here's my guess of what might have happened. And again, we're all guessing here right now, but, you know, he did have a gun in his car and or at least that's what the police are reporting right now. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just trying to put myself in his in his mind. If I'm a black man and I'm being ch- in a high, ch- you know, being chased by the police, and I've got a gun. Can I'm I thinking say something real quick about that real quick is the night before, I guess, according to the local media, he had tried this before and it didn't work. So tried what I before? just wanted to a high speed chase again like that the night before. Huh. Okay. Well, I, what I was thinking is, you know, if 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 I'm a black man with a gun in my car, I'm thinking um, I'm forgetting his name right off the top of my head, but the guy, you know, where the police came up and he said I have a permit for a gun and as he reached for his wallet to show them the permit, they shot him dead. And was that the gentleman up in Michigan? I don't recall where he was, and I'm sorry I don't remember his name. There's been so many. But if, if I'm a black man with a gun in my car, I'm thinking, 
if the police see this gun, they're going to shoot me dead. And so mm -hmm. get out of the car and run, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know uh, what happened. We're going to have to wait and see. But uh, I think it's reasonable to say that 60 bullets in a person's body is a little more than necessary uh, to, yes, to I slow them down, that. stop them, or, or whatever. I, I just, you know. I, but I, I just wanted to give you the local flavor of what the local media here in Northeast Ohio is giving people. And they're trying to say that it might very well have been, which I don't necessarily agree with it. But I'm just telling you what yeah. the no, media I, is saying is it could have been suicide by cop. Okay. Kurt, thank you very much for that. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Gary in Chicago. Hey, Gary, what's up? The Supreme Court said that the Environmental Protection Agency doesn't have the authority to tell power plants to go green. But right. in fact, the 1963 Clean Air Act, Congress gave the authority to the EPA to take care of the environment. That's right. But now, yeah, but now the Supreme Court says Congress can only tell them. But they already told them because they created the EPA in 1963. Right. So, your, so your point that the Supreme Court is, you know, lying through their teeth as usual, or at least the, the six Republicans on the court. I mean, there well, were three Democrats who, that, who were opposed to that ruling. Yeah, my point is that climate change is so serious, they can't play any kind of political games with it because it's dramatically, you know, taking over everybody's attention. Yeah. If you were going to YouTube. I get it. No, I, it's, it's, I, I got it, Gary. Uh, Gary, I'm sorry, I got to run, but uh, I got it. Thank you very much. Another amazing story, absolutely amazing story in uh, today's news. Again, the, the insanity that, that we're seeing around these issues. A Sanilac County Circuit judge, I believe this is in Michigan, has awarded parenting time and joint legal custody of an eight-year-old boy to a convicted sex offender who raped the child's mother nine years ago when she was 12 years old. He raped her, she gave birth to the boy, at the age of 12 she was, and now eight years later, he has, he sued for custody and won custody. Her attorney, Rebecca Kiesling, is saying, this is insane. She says, nothing has been right about this since it was originally investigated. He was never properly charged and should be sitting behind bars somewhere. But the system is victimizing my client who was a child herself when this happened. Judge Ross ordered the, his name added to the child's birth certificate. She said her client was notified, this is the, the young woman who was 12 when he raped her, and that she was, quote, not allowed to move 100 miles from where she has been living when the case was filed without court consent. Since his conviction for rape, by the way, he was convicted of raping this 12-year-old, served six months in jail. Now he has child custody over the kid. Since that conviction in 2008 for raping the 12-year-old, he has been convicted of another of raping another child for which he served four years in prison. So uh, 
uh, we've got this. I, I found this on the internet. It's the they're on. It was on Twitter this morning. The Republican Party rape advisory chart. These are the various different kinds of rape according to Republican politicians. There's the gift from God form of rape. This is uh, Richard Moorcock, the Republican Senate candidate. Uh, at, right after he was nom- right after he was endorsed by Mitt Romney, he said, "Quote." When life begins with that horrible situation of rape, that's something that God intended to happen. Then, of course, there is legitimate rape, uh, Todd Aiken. It's a, if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has its ways of shutting that whole thing down. Then there's honest rape. This was uh, Republican uh, Congressman Ron Paul in presidential candidate. If it's an honest rape, that individual should go immediately to the emergency room, and I'd give him a shot of estrogen. Then there's emergency rape. Uh, Republican Senate candidate Linda McMahon um, of, of wrestling fame. In October of 2015, she said, it was really an issue about a Catholic church being forced to offer those pills if the person came in in, a, in an emergency rape. Then there's easy rape. State Representative Roger Rivard of Wisconsin. If you go down that road, some girls, they rape so easy. Then there's forcible rape. Republican vice presidential nominee Paul Ryan and uh, 214 other Republicans sponsored a bill that would prohibit funding of abortions except in cases of, quote, forcible rape. And then, of course, there's enjoyable rape. Clayton Williams, Republican from Texas. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Who said famously, if it's inevitable, just relax and enjoy it. Ain't the GOP great? We'll be great. By the way, this uh, young man who shot all these people in Highland Park uh, had been to at least one, and I'm seeing uh, on Twitter two, but, you know, let's wait for the final reporting to come in. Trump rallies. Uh, he, there's pictures of him all over social media wrapping, wrapping himself in a Trump flag. Um, I, I, I remember back in 2017, in June of 2017, and in fact, I just, I just plugged into uh, DuckDuckGo, Bernie supporter shoots Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise, you'll recall, is the uh, Republican congressman from Louisiana. He ran on a platform of being David Duke without the baggage, was his phrase. Um, he's now the number two, I believe, Republican in Republican leadership in the House of Representatives. And uh, he, was, he was wounded during, by, by a guy who had been to a Bernie uh, event of some kind. Uh, wounded uh, in a baseball game in, tw- in June of 2017, a congressional baseball game. And you look at the headlines, uh, CNN, uh, Bernie Sanders supporter strongly anti-Trump shoots congressman. Newsweek, Representative Steve Scalise shot by Sanders supporter, replies to request uh, IB I- 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 Times. Uh, top U.S. Republican Steve Scalise shot by Bernie Sanders supporter. Um, blasting news, shooter of Representative Steve Scalise was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, conservative fire in line, deceased Bernie supporter who shot Representative Steve Scalise on Facebook. Uh, American thinker, Bernie bro shot Steve Scalise. Uh, the advocate, Steve Scalise shooter, James Hodgkins, staunch Bernie Sanders. Um, and it just goes on and on. I mean, the Federalist shooter was Bernie bro who joined Terminate Republican Party group. Uh, YouTube, insane Bernie Sanders supporters, supporter shoots up Republican baseball. I heard about this for weeks. Yesterday, I was watching MSNBC, and, and the host asked the guest, does this guy have any political affiliation? Well, no, not that we can tell. He seems to be just into suicide and morbid stuff. Right. Right. So when shooters are Democrats, it becomes a news story that lasts for literally weeks. When shooters are Republicans, well, geez, not so much. <sighs> Incredible. By the way, just uh, following up, and then I'll pick up your phone calls, following up on the, the, uh, on the uh, stories, uh, what would you call them, um, the, the Supreme Court decision on abortion. Uh, this is amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, Jessica Valenti has a newsletter uh, all in her head. Um, it's uh, Jessica at, at, it's over at Substack.com. I think it's Jessica.substack.com. And she has links to, uh, this, this is uh, Becky, uh, Becca Liz on Twitter. I've never had an abortion, but my access to health care has changed because Roe was overturned. I have lupus, 
which is an inflammatory autoimmune disease that causes my immune system to attack my organs, joints, skin, and muscles. I take methotrexate as one of my treatments. I received an email from my rheumatologist today that they are stopping all refills because it is considered an abortifacient. Right. And then here's another one. Uh, this is from uh, Oyez Como VA ESQ. I live in Virginia. I'm on low-dose naltrexone as an off-label treatment for long COVID to reduce clotting. My pharmacy won't refill my prescription because it can cause miscarriage. I mean, this, this is happening right now. Over on Instagram, Chloe. Um, wasn't going to post about this, but it's important that people see. I am currently 25 weeks pregnant with a baby girl. We just found she is incompatible with life. She isn't going to make it. I knew what I wanted to do. I, want, I needed to terminate. My bot baby is suffering inside me, having seizures multiple times a day. I feel every single one. I knew I didn't want her to suffer any longer. I let my doctor know of my choice, and he said he would schedule an abortion for me. Well, Friday came along, and the overturn of Roe v. Wade happened. I thought I would be okay, that the law wouldn't go into effect, but my doctor called me today and told me I have to remain pregnant until this baby dies inside of me. Wow. Okay. Picking up your phone calls. Uh, Steve in Park Ridge, Illinois. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, always good to listen to your show. Uh, as you mentioned, Park Ridge is very close to Highland Park. I've lived in the northwest suburbs of Chicago for well over 30 years. and But I spent a lot of time in uh, Florida. And you remember the movie Jaws, Who, who Doesn't? Yeah. And I, like, I don't know how many other people, after seeing that movie, I was somewhat afraid to go in the water. I, it, the movie just scared the hell out of me. Well, now we have mass shootings throughout all public places, and we've created an ocean of fear on land. You yeah. know, whether it's a grocery store, a school, a July 4th parade, a shopping mall, a church, how can you not look over your shoulder in society. And that what, what my point is, is that there's little chance of ever being attacked by a shark, if any. Now, there's a greater chance of being caught up in a mass shooting, but there's a residual psychological sickness now in our society of PTSD over these weapons of war which increases one's chance of being caught up or knowing someone. By the way, I have relatives in Highland Park that fortunately weren't affected by the shooting. Uh, but I, I just think that it's very important that not only do we take the weapons of war out of public for the purpose of protecting life, but also protecting the collective sanity and mental health of that society. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And the, the, the part of this that concerns me even more is our children. I mean, they, they, one, of the, one of the reporters yesterday, um, I forget which network I was watching, but he made the comment that it was surprising to him, he, or she, it was, a, it was a woman who was there. In fact, I think it was Lynn Sweet, you know, the Chicago Times columnist. She yes, said that right. uh, the thing that was surprising was how all the kids at the parade orderly you know they didn't panic they just started moving out of the way they they knew what to do why did they know what to do because they've been trained in mass shooter trainings in their public schools this is insane we are literally the only country in the world that teaches children how to avoid mass shootings in their schools because we're the only country in the world that has mass shootings in our schools as a regular feature of our society and I, I, this, is, this is just not good. I mean, this is just not good. And it's not I, good for our I, kids. I'm old enough to, I, I was in uh, elem, elementary school during the missile crisis back in the uh, early 63. 60s. Yeah, through 62. Jeff Kennedy as they faced off. And we used to say goodbye to one another, not knowing whether or not we would meet the next day. Well, and I remember duck and cover, know, Steve. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little older than you, and I remember really well as a little kid jumping under our desks and putting our fingers over our eyes and, and our thumb in our ears. Um, but I don't recall ever taking it seriously. I mean, I, I, we, I, not, I, I totally agree. I, and I, I don't have children. Well, I do have children, but they're grown. But I can't imagine the 
the angst that not only the children but the teachers feel entering just the school on a daily basis. I mean, we really, you know, I'm a progressive Democrat. We really have to hammer home, get these, I won't say the swear word, uh, assault weapons of war out of the public domain. Yep. Yeah, Period. We, yeah, we There's need no we need to restore the assault weapons ban. During that uh, during that assault weapons ban, by the way, from 1994 until 19 until t- 2004, I believe it was, um, we actually saw a decrease in mass shootings because you know their assault weapons were not widely available. Steve, thank you, thank you for the call. Excellent uh, excellent points, all. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, Tom, with this recent Supreme Court decision about taking up the independent state legislature doctrine, yeah. I it, it came to my mind that fascism is unavoidable. And there was a there was a liberal that called in about this Highland Park shooter. I'm sure he had a good heart. But he said this is Donald Trump's fault. Donald Trump has been um, is a hero of a fictional, you know, universe that these, these shooters live in. Right. But really, it doesn't matter. The difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis could be like the difference between Admiral Horthy in the Hungarian fascist regime and Adolf Hitler. Yeah. All right. We don't actually know. And I think it's, it's inevitable, though. And when Governor Nome was talking about, um, you know, we should focus on the guy that raped that girl. The 10-year-old, the, the, the yeah. Perpetrator. Yeah, she was yeah, not- talking about Weasley. I mean, that was that was insane, that that interview with Dana, uh, Dana, what's her name? Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Dana Bash. That's yeah. Right. Well, for some reason, uh, this this caller on your show, when you said like one percent, maybe less than one percent of the of the elite donor class of the Republican Party might be psychopaths. She called up and called you a psychopath. I, I was like, why am I thinking about Tom Hartman here? Why, why, why? I came up with it. Look, we need to realize who the, um, the, the, the enemy is. Every fascist re- regime requires an enemy. And I think it's about time we start talking about who that enemy is. And um, because I don't think there's any way to avoid it now. Um, well, the fascist, the, the fascist regimes, I mean, you know, this is, this is Ron DeSantis saying that he's going to, he's going to interview every teacher and student in Florida colleges about their politics. That's fascism. And, that's, and we know who the bad guys are here. It's the professors, right? It's the liberals. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Todd in Seattle. Hey, Todd, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'll try not to get too excited. I wouldn't bother you, but I was so heartbroken about what happened. You're talking um, Highland Park? Yeah, Fourth of July parade. Come on. Yeah. In this society we have today, you know, everybody's so worried about being polite and, and correct and all that. And I think it's time for the Democrats to call it the way it is. And with the Republicans, you know, they, they use the Democrat thing. Yeah. Well, I think we should try try using Republic gun. And the GOP stands for guns over people. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I'm not a fan the, of name calling, Todd, but I, but I, know, I do think that I it's know. time to start. You know, Jamie Harrison, the head of the DNC, was on this program, and he said the Republican Party has become a fascist party. I, you know, I think that every Democrat in America should be using that language. Well, you know, 
name calling is kind of an ignorant thing, but we need to start making the point and calling it the way it is. Yeah. The uh, recent uh, gun legislation that was passed was only agreed to so they could say they actually did something because what, like the previous caller, what needs to happen is get the military weapons out of the private citizens' hands. Yep. You know, the terminology used to describe the weapon, assault weapon, shows intent in itself. Yeah. Who do you plan to assault with this weapon? And the clips they use, the large capacity, no, that, that's not large capacity, that's mass capacity. That's what they need. These are weapons of war. They're designed to kill as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. And the only reason that they are, exist is to kill people. I mean, these are, these, yes. are, these are not, you know, uh, uh, you don't go deer hunting with an AR-15. Or if you do, you're not a huh. sportsman. You're, a, you're, a, you're a, some kind of weird wimp, uh, you know, who, who is. Yeah, you know, get your man card back. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, be it's, a man, you don't have a chance in the first place. Yeah, it's it's And a 100-round capacity. If you need a hundred rounds to hit where you're shooting at, you shouldn't have it either. Yeah. I mean, come on. What yeah. is this? Yeah. No, I'm with it's, you. I'm with you. Uh, you. Very well said, Todd. Todd, thank you. Pat in San Diego. Hey, Pat, what's up? Hey, Tom. Oh, you were missed over the long weekend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm calling because it, you know, I wake up every day in fear over this Supreme Court and what it's going to do to the nation and to our government next. And I thought... Uh, you know how DeSantis and all those people just go full hog on everything and do whatever they want? I think our Democratic legislators, like Governor Newsom and, and the DAs, the, the Democratic DAs that we have across the nation, uh, the, the Democratic mayors, etc., should start resisting and rejecting whatever the Supreme Court says and just say that it was illegitimately configured. Mm. It was trumped up uh, on purpose and that we do not recognize what it says because we need to delegitimize the Supreme Court and take away its power. It, it, we are in great danger. I'm with and, you. Uh, I'm with you, Pat. Yeah. Did you see, by the oh. way, that, that uh, Gavin Newsom, the, the California governor, is running ads in Florida? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's hysterical, you know. Out. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Pat, for the call. Yeah, he's running ads in Florida saying to Florida voters that uh, Ron DeSantis is taking away your freedom. It's incredible. If you haven't seen it, go looking for it and check it out. Margie in Wisconsin, Rapids, Wisconsin. Hey, Margie, what's up? Hey, Tom. These gun laws get more insane by the day. Yeah. Indiana? their new permitless carry, which means you no longer need a permit to Correct. carry just, a gun. Just like Texas did a few months ago. Um, goes even further than Texas because the police can no longer even question a person with the gun if Whoa. they have it lawfully. Whoa. Um, they, there literally can be a person with a gun standing outside a school, and the police cannot question them. That's nuts. This is just, this is friggin' nuts. Yes, it is. And I know you usually uh, do only one subject per person, but can I add another one in that I actually Very quickly, Margie. You? Um, the medications for people, for women, it's worse than you think. Please contact Lupus Foundation. Please contact people in Wisconsin. Women in Wisconsin are being denied cancer treatment. Yep. I know. I know. It, That's. I just read it, two, two examples uh, of those. But, yeah, the Lupus yeah. Foundation would be a good guest. It, Yes, they've got something. They've actually have uh, information online for women who are systematically now have had their medications terminated. Please get a hold of somebody from there and get them on the air. Yeah, we'll do it. Margie, thank you very much for the call. Uh, Teresa right. in Santa Rosa, California. Hey, Teresa, what's up? Hey, Tom. I have to say that the, the problem we're facing, of course, is so many weapons. We've got to do something about the weapons on the streets. But but honestly, the gratuitous violence 
the only way to stop this gratuitous violence is to give everyone more opportunities and better education. And that has to start in kindergarten. I don't disagree that those would be good things and that we would probably be a less violent society. But, I mean, just, you know, like I said, it, there's more car accidents in New York City than there are in Portland because there's more cars. I mean, the, the more guns you have, the more shootings you're going to have. And, and we have gone from 20 guns per 100 Americans, more or less, about 40 years ago, to now having 120 guns for every 100 Americans. It shouldn't surprise anybody what's going on. Teresa, thank you for the call. Mary Gay in Spokane. Hey, Mary Gay, what's up? Hi. I just wanted to let you know I called the um, January 5th committee tip line. The 6th committee, yeah. Uh -huh. The 6th, yes. <laughs> Back in November, I had seen a comment on uh, Daily Kos or a five-minute video that showed Louis Gohmert actually speaking to a crowd and inciting an insurrection. Mm-hmm. And so, so you I shared that. I, I didn't know that there was a tip line for the January 6th committee. I know there's one for the FBI, but there is. Nope. There's one directly to the committee. Huh. Interesting. How do you find that? Is there a website for it, I'm assuming? Yep. I just, uh, January 6th committee tip line. Huh. And, and, and it comes right up. Well, Mary Gay, good on you. Right up. Uh, act, activism yeah. of the day. Good on you. Thank you. Uh, Brian in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Hi there, Tom. Um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, for abortion rights and the uh, the common argument that we have that there are no U.S. laws that force somebody to give up their life for someone else's. Um, something I've seen recently is the question of a right uh, duty to rescue, that mm -hmm. there are laws or at least thoughts for if you have a special relationship, such as a parent to a child, that you could be held liable, have a duty to rescue something, or in this case, the fee is possibly for an abortion. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I would like to know if you've ever thought of that or heard that argument of duty to rescue applying to abortion rights. That's an interesting one. I mean, I, the, the story I just shared off Instagram of this woman who had, who was uh, 23 weeks into her pregnancy. I mean, that's post-viability, generally speaking. And the baby is now having seizures and is dying in her womb. And she was taught and is going to, you know, is not going to survive outside her body. And she was told that uh, you can't have an abortion. You got to wait for this 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 uh, baby to die inside you. Um, that just seems to me like brutalizing women. And so uh, I would think that something like a duty to rescue would come into place. Brian, is I, I don't know much about this. Is this based on law or is this based? I, I mean, I can I can see where you know a police officer or a physician may have a duty to rescue. Yeah, there the are, as far as I've seen, there are no uh, major laws yet um, on this type of idea. It's come into play, for example, I think one that's commonly used is a therapist to a patient. Mm -hmm. If a patient says to a therapist that they are suicidal or plan to have a suicidal, is it legally liable for the, the therapist? Do they have a special relationship with that patient to do something? Right. Or if they don't do anything, that's... Well, that's that falls into the, the harm to yourself or others. Uh, you know, even even priests and doctors uh, have to violate that that seal of privacy if there's you know clear clear intent or, or, or probability of harm to yourself or others. Brian, thank you for the call. Uh, fascinating. Let me let me ponder that one. Stick around. Scott in Seattle. Hey, Scott. Thanks for listening to KBCS. What's on your mind today? Mr. Hartman, my call is about the furious abortion controversy. I'd like to make part of our divisions a little less bad than it could be. I need a minute and a half. Can I go ahead? Sure. I ask listeners not to assume that all Catholics are implacable enemies of women's reproductive rights. To the contrary, most Catholics line right up with the rest of the population in their views about contraception, abortion, and related women's rights to privacy, especially their right to make their own health care decisions. I have no official status, no connection to the church hierarchy. I'm an ordinary lay Catholic, but I deal with other lay Catholics, especially those who care about church reform. It's true we don't like abortion, just like we don't like divorce. There's lots of things we don't like rape and incest and other crimes. The point is not whether we like abortion. Of course we don't. The point is what a person finding herself in an unwanted pregnancy can best do under difficult circumstances. 
Most Catholics believe that this should be reasonably left to the woman herself in her own particular situation in consultation with her medical providers and maybe with whatever take on faith she has. I can tell you for sure what Catholics don't want. That's to force desperate young women to mutilate themselves or go to those horrible back alley butchers. Again, all I ask listeners, don't automatically make assumptions about the opposition. I want to hope that if reasonable people can thoughtfully work on problems such as abortion, we can come to ways of dealing with it as best we can in an imperfect world. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Scott. And I get what you're saying. I broadly agree with what you're saying. My concern is that arguably the richest, you know, wealthiest and most powerful nonprofit corporation in the world, uh, the Catholic Church, has poured billions of dollars in the United States into politicians who are trying to take away our right to choose or a woman's right to choose to have an abortion or not. And I have a problem with that, that that uh, mixing politics and religion. But, um, You're not the only one who has a problem with that, Mr. Hartman. Yeah, and a I lot totally of reform-minded Catholics want to get away from exactly that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the, the church needs to go back to, uh, to religion. Brenda in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Hey, Brenda, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. I remember years ago I read an article about how the Federalist Society was preparing Comey Barrett for the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. But in that, I thought she had made it to question that she had a problem with the 13th and 14th Amendment. But in the Legal Defense Fund, it has, where she has, I see it says, okay, Barrett has written that the entire 14th Amendment is possibly illegitimate and that Brown versus Board of Education, which ended legal parte in the United States, may have been incorrectly decided and that the entire administrative state may be untenable from the originalist perspective. She signed a newspaper advertisement stating that it's time to put the end to barbaric legacy of Roe versus Wade. And she made a speech suggesting that part of the Civil Rights Act does not protect transgender persons. But it's not just that they are they are doing this now. They have a broader agenda. These are, yes, I was Catholic for 27 years, and it can be a wonderful faith, but... The originalist type attitude comes from the Catholic faith, and these these are all very far, far, far right wing Catholics. Yeah. To me, it is you cannot you cannot dictate what God is to someone else. You can't do it. I agree with you, or at least you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't try to do it because a uh, most often it doesn't work, and 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 b it's just not right. But but Brenda, that's absolutely what's going on. I get what you're saying, and I remember when those things about Barrett came out, and you know it just like wasn't even taken seriously during her hearings. It was just a disgrace. Brenda, thank you for the call. Bob in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind? Hello, Tom. Good day to you. Hey, Bob, back at you. Yeah. Hey. I just think uh, the world's in a state of acceleration and so many people are kind of stuck in some cement. But I just want to get right on with what I was going to say, which is that when we say rational, we might take a step back if we're going to value critical thought. This public education, this lack of it, this dismantling of public education is, I think, essentially what's going haywire with the country. Uh, I don't disagree. It started with Reagan, as you well know. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I just, I, I, I just, yes, my hat's off to the public educators. Bob, you must have a VoIP phone because it's, it's crashing in the face of our music. I can't hear you. But, Bob, thank you for the call. I, I totally get what you're saying and don't disagree with it at all. So we'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Picking up your calls, Tony in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hi, good afternoon, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm curious about your take on my theory about the provocateur mode, these pullovers, these violent traffic stops, and the the mass shootings that are 
that seem to target kids that aren't really doing much. They're maybe making deliveries or even folks who had a bad past, but they've changed their ways. You know, people who are in neighborhoods that are uplifters, possible leaders. Um, I'm wondering if you have an idea about how people are targeting this potential group of leaders. I don't know, Tony. I do know that, you know, when the Black Panthers were around, I was, you know, alive at that time. In fact, my wife lived in a house that was the Black Panther house in East Lansing. Um, so, you know, we, yeah, when she was 17 years old or 17 or 18. So we had some familiarity with the movement and, and they were clearly being targeted. I was in SDS. We were mostly white and we were mostly anti-war and we were targeted. I was arrested around that. I, you know, a number of my friends were. So, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I, I, I can tell you in depth what it was like in the 60s. What's going on right now, I'm just catching the news constantly and whether people are being targeted because of their activism or whether they're simply being targeted because of the color of the skin or where they happen to be or what their car looks like, I can't speak to at the level of, you know, having done some research on it, but I'm guessing it's out there. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely think it's out there. Anybody who, I mean, there's such a history of anybody who speaks up against big brother, big government, they just tend to focus on them. Again, one of the most popular is, is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. And, he t and when he started speaking in, as far as uh, the economics of racism, that's when they really targeted him. Oh, and yeah. yeah, people like the idea of making America great again and going back to, you know, fascist ways and, and just repeatedly doing this, this fascism and, and limiting people's prospects. And the best way to do it is to get rid of our leaders, our potential guiding lights. Yeah. Well, I, I very much hope that is not the case, Tony. And, and uh, you know, although, uh, like I said, I know that 50 years ago, it very much was the case. It absolutely was the case. Tony, I have to move along, but thank you for the call. And thanks, you know, provocative question. Our book today is Just Another N-Word, My Life in the Black Panther Party by Field Marshal Don Cox, His Life in the Black Panther Party. This is from Chapter 5, page 47. The chapter is titled, Use What You Got to Get What You Need. Before we entered into a direct relationship with the Panthers, our group had wanted to prove our worthiness by our actions. Since that was no longer in question, contact was made and a rendezvous fixed to meet at Huey's Pad on Telegraph Avenue in Oakland. I don't remember much about that first gathering other than meeting David Hilliard, the Panther Party's chief of staff for the first time. The only thing that stands out in my memory is a question from Huey as we were sipping coffee. He asked if I didn't think it better to be properly equipped before going into action. He suggested it was best to first rip off the necessary funds to get everything we needed in advance of launching a major effort. I had practically memorized his essay, The Correct Handling of a Revolution, in which he spoke of teaching by example. And so I blurted out the first thing that came to mind, which was, Use what you got to get what you need. After a long, hot summer of 1967 with the rebellions in Newark, Detroit, and elsewhere, we felt that our preparations had, at least, put us on the same level as the rest of the country and that the revolution would not pass us by. Our San Francisco group started attending and participating in any and all functions relevant to black people. And we tried to get to know everyone in our area associated with the struggle. We also continued our community meetings. News of the death of Che Guevara in October of that year had us walking around in a stupor for a while, and although it came as a severe blow to the international struggle for freedom and justice of all people, we were proud to be among those who had responded to his battle cry and had picked up the fallen arms. Huey asked if we would conduct a meeting on Hunter's Point for him. He was supposed to go, but something had come up and he couldn't make it. We were honored that he thought enough of us to ask, and we were more than enthusiastic to do whatever he wanted. It was at that meeting that we had a new surprising experience. We met our first resistance in the form of Adam Rogers. He was supposed to have been the biggest, baddest N-word on Hunter's point, but when we encountered him, he came across like an Uncle Tom. He seemed to be impressed with our firearms demonstration, but he was violently against the idea of black people arming themselves for self-defense. He was convinced that would increase repression, even though history proved him wrong. When we examine the history of repression of black people, the only time there was significant decline in police violence and murders perpetrated against blacks was precisely the period when blacks were organized and had access to guns. Given the wave of terror and violence against blacks that continues to sweep the country, I truly believe there is a lesson to be learned from that fact. Rogers was one of the wounded in the Hunter's Point Rebellion of the year before, 
and a photograph of him had been used by the news media to illustrate articles on the riots that broke out following the killing of a black teenager by police that September. Because of that, we were even more surprised by his reaction. It was not until later that we discovered that the administration of San Francisco Mayor Joseph Alito had sent in money after the rebellion and had bought off the so-called bad N-words. The same technique was used from coast to coast. Despite Rogers, most everyone seemed to like what we had to say and really related to the firearms demonstration. Several people wanted to take courses in handling weapons. And so I fixed a rendezvous for the following Saturday at the parking lot of the abandoned shopping center right on top of Hunter's Point. The next day I arrived at the point at 7 in the morning in order to get set up before people began to gather. There wasn't going to be any target practice, but I would be firing a few shots in the air by way of demonstration. I knew that would pose no problem as far as the police were concerned. Due to their racism, whenever they heard shots on the point, they generally looked the other way. Once, during a dispute between two gangs, shooting broke out, and instead of police coming in to break it up, they sealed off the area and let them shoot it out. Gun battle lasted 24 hours, and the police didn't return until the next day. At around 8 o'clock, I saw David Hilliard's car driving up, which I found surprising because we had only seen each other a couple of times before. As the car approached, I recognized Emery Douglas and George Murray. Everyone had strange looks on their faces that made it clear that something was wrong. Damn, Huey had been shot and captured. He had shown up at David's, wounded and bleeding heavily. There was real concern for his life, so David drove him to the hospital and left him on the steps, then drove straight to San Francisco to find me. He said Huey had asked him to ask me to help out in the aftermath, specifically dealing with the passenger who had been in Huey's car at the time of the shootout, Officer John Frey of the Oakland Police, who'd been killed. There was also the problem of the guns Huey had stockpiled. I'll never understand why David didn't just bring the guns with him, but he hadn't. And I was obliged to go back into the area, get everything, and get back out safely. That might sound easy, but the shootout had occurred less than three hours before, and there was one policeman dead and one seriously wounded, so it was hot over in Oakland, to say the least. There was no time to go by the house and unload the guns I had on hand for the training, so I followed David back to Oakland with a trunk full of weapons. David took me into the backyard of a house that had a lot of weeds and a stack of old lumber in which he had stashed the gun. In his state of excitement, he couldn't remember exactly where the pistol was, and while we were looking, an elderly black woman came out of the house next door and asked what we were doing. David kept searching and didn't look up. She then said, if you don't come out of there, I'm going to call the police. I began to panic and told David to say something to the woman. When he rose up, she recognized him and calmed down. This was David's house, and she was his neighbor. On the one hand, I was relieved, but on the other, if the police were looking for the passenger who'd been with Huey, it was certain they wouldn't miss David's house, as both were known Panthers. Finally, he found the gun, and it continues from there. Just another N-word, My Life in the Black Panther Party by Field Marshal Don Cox. Laura in Champaign, Illinois. Hey, Laura, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thank you for taking my call, and I'm a long-time listener. So um, one of the points that I haven't heard much about is how many people will be impacted when the life of the mother is in jeopardy when an abortion is denied. Husbands will lose their wives. Children will lose their mothers. Mothers and fathers will lose their daughters. Brothers and sisters will lose their sisters. Friends will lose their friend. Even nieces and nephews will lose their aunts. So we need to encourage everyone we know to get involved and support codifying Roe versus Wade. Yeah, I agree with you, Laura. I, I don't know if you caught the news, but in Poland, you know, they've got a right-wing Catholic government and they outlawed abortion. And in the last month or so, there have been two young women who died. In both cases, they had malformed fetuses who, because they couldn't get an abortion, they died in, you know, within them, and then uh, they went septic and died. And there's just huge protests around Poland on this, So, which may be oh. the way that we go. I mean, we'll see. Laura, thank you for the call. Lori in Ocala, Florida. Hey, Lori, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I would like to say to you, Peace be with you. And to also, you too. And also with you. Exactly. Jesus uses this to address our fear. And in the preamble to our Constitution, 
the people in order to ensure domestic tranquility, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We need to address these religious zealots, these judges and Republicans that are taking away our peace. We need to take away their peace, take away their guns to give us back our peace. I get it. I get it. Lori, thank you. Fascinating point on which to end the show. We'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. So please get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.